when Slash was in the studio, we we're never allowed to smoke right. in a control room where right. there's equipment and stuff. Right. But Slash wanted to smoke. And so I ran out to my car and got some cigarettes. I smoked at the time. And he was smoking and doing interviews. And I looked over at one of my friends there and I said, we're smoking in the studio today. <laughs> Apparently we're smoking. I want to make him feel at home. So shut up, you guys. So I was smoking and talking on the radio like I was on some damn talk show. So... What do you think about what's going on with Guns N' Roses? And he'd say, well, you know, Lacey. American Roadrunner. American Roadrunner. You found us, my fellows. Welcome to the American Roadrunner Motorcycle Show, brought to you by the book American Roadrunner. And now, your host, Bob Marshall. How I love that intro music by the band Meek. Those guys are just totally awesome. If you don't know them, the lineup is Joe Hill on guitar, Tazamora on bass guitar and vocals, and Dan Hill on drums. Needless to say, I was blessed to see these guys do a nice little show. And wow, what a show it was. And it really wasn't a show. It was just Tazamora's 44th birthday party. Happy birthday to one Mr. Tazamora. If you haven't heard the story, I was fortunate enough to grow up with Tazamora. And you might know him as a bass player and very high voice vocalist from Alien Ant Farm. Lucky for me to get to stand through many uh, madrigal vocal music group rehearsals and shows where his tenor voice was just screaming in my right ear while I was singing bass. So lucky me to call his talent and awesomeness my friend. Got to take my little dude with me. It was a good party. I got to ride out on the old cop chop just north of Payson there to the great Tonto Village for the Chop Town Campout. Good times, great ride. The road was beautiful. Got a little cold at night. We're going to have some good interviews from that coming on on future shows. It's been nice to take a little break. I know it's been a minute since I put out a show, but needless to say, life has been busy, and I needed the break. I'm back at it. Riding season for the northern part of this country is getting going, and everybody's excited to be out enjoying the road. We're going to have it here, Lacey Kendall interview. Lacey Kendall, radio personality, if you're from Southern California, 96.7 KCAL Rocks. She's usually on a weekend, but her pedigree goes far. She does a lot of cool other things, including riding motorcycles. Let's get back to Lacey Kendall, American Roadrunner Motorcycle Show. When you ask about bikes and what they mean to people, to girls who drive, or guys who ride, old people, young people, whoever. Um, don't ride if it makes your mama unhappy. Because there'll be a day when you wish you did everything to make your mama happy. But uh, I think my mom would be happy where that, that bike has driven me. I believe that motorcycles are as magical as they were when my cousin put me on the back. Because I know in my heart of hearts that the thing that makes them extraordinary and unlike 
any other effing thing on earth. Riding a motorcycle, um, what happens between the left side and the right side of your helmet when you're going down the road, what happens in, in that space, it makes you smarter. It makes you a better driver even when you're in a car. I don't even drive a damn car like I, you know, like I used to. I got to have a big old space between the guy in front right. of me and the guy back. Somebody right. just to the right of me and a little bit behind makes right. me heavily nervous. Yeah. I got to move out of there. Having a car accident since I started riding bikes either. So I'm, I'm a better driver all the way around. I'm better on my damn bicycle, I'm sure. Okay? Yeah. I'm just freaking safer. But um, it has a lot in common with radio. And I'll tell you why. I've never done anything in my life uh, other than radio before motorcycles where to do it right, if you're doing it really right and really good, you're thinking three steps ahead. In radio, think of the old days. It's not exactly like that, but it's similar. Think of the old days when you're playing records. You're playing one. You got to figure out when it's gonna when you're gonna fade out of the song. You got to think of what the next song is, and you got to be grabbing the one that's after that. You got to be thinking about what you're about to say in a minute, what you're gonna follow that up with in five minutes, because you have a thing you have to say, right. the thing I want to say right now, and you know what I have to be getting ready. So good radio is always done thinking three steps ahead. And you don't get good at it until you're really good at thinking what two steps ahead of you is while you're doing this step as best you can. That's, that's, how, you, that's how you ride. That's how you ride well. You're thinking about what I'm doing. What's that guy up there doing? What's he going to do? If he does that, what do I got to do? Right. And that's how you become a great rider and someone who rides for a long time happily, safely, and so forth. Um, I think it, motorcycles are beautiful because they make you a more thoughtful person because you can't do anything but think. Oh, if you got a radio, you know, in the, in the front end of your gear there, that's great, you know, or you got a stereo playing music or what I, have you. I usually plug in my phone and listen to a good podcast. A uh, podcast is like great too. <laughs> so, like this one, this yeah. God, this one's good so far. We're killing it. <laughs> Thank you. But, um, but I think all that that it, there's a kind of thinking that happens, and I think it's it's something that's very good for the human spirit. And I think those moments when your head is between that helmet. Or God, God help us. I, I want to ride out where you don't have to have a helmet. Mm -hmm. um, I don't. I don't want to be a thrill seeker. That would really. My mom would really roll over, riding out there. But you know, I'm just hinting at it. It'd be. It'd be interesting. But I think it makes you a more thoughtful person. I think it makes you more peaceful. It's a wonderful place to throw away, uh, throw your crap at the side of the road while you haul ass through the middle. Um, I think it makes you more purpo uh, purposeful. Um, I do a lot of thinking about what am I going to do tomorrow when that dumb guy comes into the office? Or how am I going to handle that kid? What am I going to do about, you know, whatever, the bills, okay? Um, it helps you become more purposeful and, uh, and just forthright in what you're doing in your, in your world. Um, spiritual. I think it's spiritual. 
I've prayed many, many times while I'm on that bike. I think about stuff, and then I go, wow, that's scary. I don't even know how this is going to play out. And then I pray, and I pray. So it's good for your spirituality. Um, it makes you a solid person. I really, I really, really do believe that. I'm sorry, Mom. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But I really do think it's it's made me a more solid person. Oh, and the last one, I think it makes you a better singer. <laughs> Come on now. Come on. That's How good. many times That's have you right. been driving down the road and you are just singing at the top of your lungs? Right. Okay? In a way you never do any other time. Right. Okay? I... I don't sing that much in the shower, in the car, or anywhere else, but I sing out loud right. when I'm on that bike. That's good stuff. So I, uh, I love, I love motorcycles. I love motorcycles, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad I didn't let my mama down. Um, but um, what it's done since is helped, uh, I think, kind of nurture me into who she wanted me to be. If all this were to happen, right. like it did, right. I think it took me there. I think the bike drove me there. I really do think that. I know it sounds, I know it sounds crazy, but I, I think it's done magical things for me. Well, I agree, and I think we're very fortunate that motorcycles get to do different things for different people in very different ways. However. Everything you just said makes 1,000% sense, even to myself. Yeah. As I'm sure it will, as I'm sure it will to most. So let me get fanboy for a moment. I mean, as I've gotten to listen to you for many years <laughs> on the local 96.7, that rocks, KCAL rocks. It does. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, and, and I, yeah. <laughs> I concur. You rock. Yeah, thank you. That's so <laughs> I've never had anyone say it to me like that. Yeah, well, you do. That's you wonderful. Do. You're so sweet. No, I, I am a big fan. Um, I don't get to listen to radio much mm -hmm. anymore, just when I'm driving, which isn't very often. But I do still have the radio under my cabinet in my kitchen. So I'll pop it on real quick if I don't feel like fiddling with my phone to listen to an audio book or, yeah. or an audio show. Um, I suspect you've had two exciting things in your radio career, maybe... The most famous person you've ever gotten to chat with, and then maybe the most exciting interview chat that you've ever gotten to do. What do you think? Would you be up for sharing those? Yeah. Um, well, my radio career is not has not just been KCAL. Right. Um, I worked for uh, a couple of news outlets, and I got to interview the governor. Okay. A couple of governors and who were when they got on the radio turned into themselves, which was which was neat. Schwarzenegger's fun. Right, cool. Um, Best-selling author Betty Eady, who is the only person in in recorded history under the New England Journal of Science and Medicine, at least at the time I interviewed her, to have died for a lengthy period of time, been brought back, and then came back with stories of what she saw okay. while she was there. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. Um, I, asked, I was rolling into KCAL one day um, doing a Sunday shift, 
And uh, I was wearing the usual uh, uniform for a radio broadcaster who works on the weekends, sweatpants and a T-shirt <laughs> that said Zeppelin that was kind of torn sure. and, and had some kind of uh, milkshake stain on the front of it when I found out that uh, Slash was coming to the studio and I was going to interview him. Cool. Wasn't really happy about my regalia. <laughs> All right, but it didn't seem to matter to him. Right, right. Okay, that was really fun, and he was really a neat guy. Um, there was a guy that I had read a lot about and I thought was a total freaking a-hole, and I said, if I ever met that jerk, I'd tell him what a jerk he is. I read about the T-shirts he wore on stage and the awful things he'd said, and one day they said, there's a guy rolling through town. He wants to be interviewed for uh, a thing he's doing. He's going from Palm Springs straight through Redlands. Can you interview Sebastian Bach? Okay. And that guy uh, was just the greatest gentleman. He was so nice. I just I got along that. with him wonderfully. Yeah. Uh, he was very, very sweet. And when we were playing a song, he said to me, I'm hungry and I want to hit someplace out here. Do you know someplace where I can get burnt chicken? You know, I, I'm just like really hooked up there at a restaurant. And I told him about a place that wasn't far away. Anyway, um, I don't know if I shared this with her or what, but I don't remember ever sharing it. But about 45 minutes later, he called me to say thank you. Called me to say thank you. Oh my God, that place was so good. Lace, you know some things. You're so awesome. Thank you, ma'am. It was such a pleasure. Can I come by again? And I was just, I thought that was that was something else. Oh, I didn't mention this about Slash. When Slash was in the studio, we're never allowed to smoke right. in the control room where right. there's equipment and stuff. Right. But Slash wanted to smoke, and so I ran out to my car and got some cigarettes. I smoked at the time. And he was smoking and doing interviews, and I looked over at one of my friends there, and I said, we're smoking in the studio today. <laughs> Apparently, we're smoking. Right. I want to make him feel at home, so shut up, you guys. So I was smoking and talking on the radio like I was on some damn talk show. That's so... True. What do you think about what's going on with Guns N' Roses? Right. Right. <sighs> and he'd say, well, you know, Lacey. And uh, he left, and a week later at the radio station, there was a brown wrapped in that uh, postal wrap brown stuff. There was a package in my box, and there was a carton of cigarettes there, and it was from Slash. Nice, that was, nice. Thought that was that was really cool. Well, I think a lot of people have. So I'm going to tell my Slash story. You go ahead. Ready? So they have this thing called the NAM Show, National Yeah Music Association of Musicians. Yeah. So being that I used to repair guitars and amps, I was a NAM member. Mm -hmm. So I go to the NAM Show. Um, at the time, I was repairing guitars and amps, but. For those of you who don't know, listening, I really enjoy playing the mandolin. And I've actually oh. made most of my money as a musician playing mandolin, uh, bass guitar, regular guitar, but nobody cares about guitar players. So <laughs> I picked up the mandolin when I was like 19 after like a failed band career in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I was like, forget it. Guitars suck. I'm playing the mandolin. So there I am in the booth of the guy who built the mandolin that I own. The name is Flatiron. His name was Bruce Weber. So mm -hmm. Flatiron, he had sold to Gibson. Gibson had taken the name and kind of pooped all over it. So he's making these Weber mandolins. So there I am in the booth 
playing one of his mandolins. Yeah. And so I'm okay. I mean, I'm pretty darn good at playing the mandolin. I don't know how to say that. At the time, I was really quite the shredder, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I'm sitting there playing. All of a sudden, this guy comes up. He goes, oh, is it, this is a Weber mandolin. And this mandolin's this, and this mandolin's that. I go, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I go, here, you know, try it out. Put it in your hands. He goes, wow, this is great. By the way, I'm Slash. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. Yes, sir, I, I know who you are. You know, like, it's very obvious. Yeah, he, he's, yeah he's got a look. He's, he's got, got a look. look. And he's as skinny as skinny <laughs> His waist is probably the size of my bicep. I mean, you know, he's just terribly polite. So there we were exchanging mandolins for 10 or 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And he, of course, took the guy's card and said, yes, I need to order something like this. I need more mandolin playing in my life. And he could actually play. I mean, yeah. he knew what it was. He knew how it worked. Uh, he made good music with it. That's my slash story. Yeah. Thank you for letting me share. I love mandolin. My very first radio cool. show ever that I got paid for was I was Cousin Lacey on Bluegrass Alive. No way. On a local NPR affiliate. And so I would... I would uh, open up the Bluegrass Festival at Calico Ghost Town and at Silverwood wow. and then just sit there with my only friend who appreciated bluegrass and we'd sit and listen to all the bands that had a mandolin player right, because right. I love it too. There's something That's very great. cool about a mandolin. Well, bluegrass is kind of lost. I mean, it's still available, but mm -hmm. I certainly don't. I had a bluegrass band for years. I had a mandolin rock band for many years. And I would just plug my mandolin into really big amplifiers and electric mandolin and all. You know, I just I yeah. don't hit that. I've been too busy wrenching motorcycles and writing books lately and doing this show, et cetera, et cetera, to really enjoy that like I used to. But it's certainly something. I, nobody nobody loves likes bluegrass music. Like nobody's into it. Yeah. For you. Out here. Out here. Southern Out California, here. But you, right. you start rolling east. Roll east on that bike. Right. And you, you pull <laughs> yeah. up on some bluegrass. Right. Yeah. yeah. I've been pretty fortunate to, to catch a lot of that out on the road. And I should probably listen to more of it when I ride, that's for sure. It will keep you awake. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's good. It's no, it's its own thing. So you get to do some teaching. I mean, you do philanthropy work and a thousand other cool things. But mm -hmm. teaching, teaching, that's got to be terribly rewarding. It's uh, It's super fun. Uh, it really is super fun. I uh, I always thought that I wouldn't run into anything that was as rewarding right. as working in radio. I've had lots of opportunities to do really, really fun stuff to help people out. And I don't know, my, my ride in radio has been really, really fulfilling, really yeah. fulfilling. Yeah. Um, fundraisers and things like that. But um, I... I teach at Cal State San Bernardino and at the Palm Desert Campus. Out at the Palm Desert Campus, my students are all either, every student in that class is either incredibly wealthy or incredibly the opposite. Um, since we've been doing these Zoom classes here in the pandemic, I've seen my students' bedrooms. And I got a student that whose bedroom is a palace. Because you can see what's behind them, you right, know? Right. And a student who I have to say, mute your mic because the waterfall in your living room is making too much noise. Right. And I got a student that's that's on his loner laptop from a box that he lives in that's right. in the backyard right. of a second uncle. Right. So, um, but, you know, uh, it has been really 
really meaningful. I, I get the opportunity to tell them, you know, you're here on a, on a grant or a scholarship or because somebody spent their whole damn life saving up their money. So, so Joey, you know, or whoever can, can do this moment and raise the family up. And I say, you know, if you learn all these skills and you just gather up all the skill sets you can and all the knowledge you can, you have every bit of chance as everybody else. Right. And I got it. It's, when the, when the, the payoff is, is when they write me and they say, uh, hey, Miss Lacey, I just wanted to tell you, I, ha- I got this internship. Oh, this is a real one. I got an it. In- you told me to get an internship or volunteer doing anything I could do uh, in L.A. Just get your ass to L.A. because this guy wanted to be a cameraman. So he, he, he wrote me and he said, I'm driving the tour bus at, uh, I can't remember what the studio was, one of the major television studios. And he says, and I'm making friends with all these great producers and celebrities and all this. And so I'm making enough to pay my rent. So it's working, but I'm talking to camera people and so forth. And then he wrote me about a year and a half later, I'm doing a side project where I'm working with uh, one of the greats in television producing and movie making. And I'm just a guy that lays cable, you know, for the uh, project, but I'm doing that. And then he wrote me back. And he was actually running some camera. And now he's working at one of the most sophisticated production houses in L.A., in Burbank. Wow. And he's union scale. And he's a full-blown entertainment cameraman. And all I said was, just learn the crap while you're here. Just keep <laughs> learning this stuff. Just learn it, man. Don't ditch. Don't ever ditch. That was high school. Learn it. Just take it all in. Do everything you can. You have all the opportunity that anybody else does. Just look at the guy who's doing the best and run a little bit faster than that one. Okay? And then when you graduate, run a little bit faster than everybody else that graduated. Just try a little bit harder. Do something different. And um, and I got a lot of I got a back pocket filled with a whole lot of success stories. Yeah. And yeah. that feels really, really good. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I've been very lucky to work in, in places where you get to see joy at the end of anything. Yeah. You yeah. know? That's great. Yeah. Well, I suspect you have a few good social media platforms that fanboys like me get to follow you on. Yes. Yes, I do. Well, I have a lovely uh, Facebook page, which is just uh, Lacey Kendall. Um, I I also have a website, uh, LaceyKendall.com. And I kind of use that because I get to uh, emcee a lot of big convention kind of things. Not so much lately, but it'll come back. And um, I've hosted uh, all kinds of award ceremonies and big shows and things like that. So one of my friends said, use your LaceyKendall.com to promote that. So uh, that kind of tells my story and things that I've done. And it's also, both of those are great ways to connect with me. If anybody has any questions or they want to say, hey, what's up? What's going on with you? Uh, you're an absolute joy. I appreciate all you. <laughs> I think you are too. Uh, we have a good time. Yeah. Hug. Hugs. We're hugging it out in COVID. Oh man, we're rule breakers. Everyone enjoy. Yeah. Next time, my fellows. Keep riding. Keep riding. American Roadrunner brings you a Roadrunner in the headlight. Getting back to Sirius in the Northwest. 
on the gram, H-O-H-R 54, on his 2020 Harley CVO Limited, just two weeks after purchasing it. They did 1,087 miles in 17 hours, 13 minutes. Great story here. Here's how it goes. 14 days after purchasing my bike, I decided it was time to put it to the test. With an early start, delayed by a faulty receipt from California, I finally left Seattle. I charged over Snoqualmie Pass into the dry, smoke-choked eastern Washington, still under darkness's cloak. On my return from Spokane, the strong winds blew me around the open plains. A quick climb up the pass met western Washington's cool, wet air, where I joined my wife and baby boy for a hearty lunch. Off to the northern border of Blaine, Washington, and Peace Arch Park, fighting Seattle's Labor Day weekend traffic. I finally broke through to the open road, headed towards the border, close to all the non-essential travel. Turning south on the northernmost section of I-5, I nodded to super troopers with a celebratory, you boys like Mexico, and off I went to find the Columbia River. Driving through Seattle, I heard the familiar sound of a buddy's Hadina entering the freeway to give me a boost. Without planning this meetup, I figured he was in it for the last 200 mile turn and burn. But 10 miles in, Henry peeled off the route to finish a long work day. Even still, that simple gesture boosted my energy like you wouldn't believe. As I turned my back on the Columbia, the sun was setting, still warm from our late summer day, and nothing could stop me except for a speeding ticket. So I stayed with traffic and finished up a long day in the saddle, completing my 1K in a day. Thank you all for the inspiration. On to the next. Well written, R-O-H-R-5-4 on the gram. Ever wonder what happened to the music they used to play on the radio? It's now available and virtually commercial-free for your ride. Dirty Radio FM. Get the app today and enjoy it streaming or download songs to your heart's content. Dirty Radio FM is free and the best way to enjoy music through a Senna like Bob or with earbuds while you're on the road. Dirty Radio FM. Get the app today. Here's a good one. Road Glide underscore Lucky. Crushing a Midwest 1K. Exactly 1,000 miles in 15 hours, 23 minutes on his 2018 Harley Road Glide Special. Today's 1K was all about preparation and swings. Rolling out at 0330, the air temp was 55 degrees, but by mile 500, it was 90 plus. When I finished up, the temp had dropped back down to the low 70s. Given that my last 1K was met with some inclement weather, I was adequately prepared for the challenge. My route wasn't all that exciting, but it allowed me to stack some good miles with my brother. I was also fortunate enough to check another state off my list with a quick visit to Frontier Harley-Davidson in Lincoln, Nebraska. Well done at RoadGlide underscore Lucky on the gram. Congrats. We got a double. Let's get to it. Rider one of two. Back at it. Busted Knuckle underscore SC crushed his second. 1K taking the long way to the Four Corners Motorcycle Rally with a friend. 1,021 miles in 19 hours, 41 minutes on his 2012 Harley Softail Slim. He writes, It all started pretty simple. 
My buddy Matt from Phoenix had never done a 1K, and we saw there was a challenge to do one on our way to the Four Corners Motorcycle Rally in Durango, Colorado, that would also support a good cause. The Tuesday before we were to leave, we figured, why the hell not? Let's meet at the halfway point between us and Kingman, Arizona, and just make it happen. So after about two hours of sleep, Thursday night I hit the road on good old Ruby, slightly late from southern Utah at 1.14 a.m., the 130 miles to my first stop in Henderson, Nevada, went amazingly easy. After a brief delay to help an old-timer with trouble on his bike, I hit the road again around 3 a.m. At 95, 100 miles an hour over long distances, I occasionally put my feet on the passenger pegs to lean into the wind and also take some weight off the old tailbone. As I roll into the edge of town, I move my feet to the floorboards and prepare to shift down and slow for my entrance to the truck stop. Nothing there. Ruby no longer has a shift lever. I squeeze the clutch and easily coast to the pump as Matt walks up to greet me. Before I say a word, I point to the now naked shift and could see his concern. I figured I should be able to bang through the gears with my hand without being able to squeeze the clutch as long as I get the revs right. So I say, let's roll. We only have 800 mile miles to go and a large portion of interstate miles in which I wouldn't need to shift anyways. Little did I know, the mountain pass to Flagstaff would be upper 30s, lower 40s, and animal crossing signs everywhere. After a few frozen hours, we hit the heat of the day, rolling into New Mexico and stopped just south of Santa Fe before turning north. After hand shifting through city traffic, winding mountain roads, a baby bear hitchhiking, and nightfall hitting, we made it to Durango, a couple hours slower than I hoped for on this one. But for Matt's first and me with no shifter, I had a great time. An ice-cold beer greeted us in Durango for a job well done. I concur, Mr. Busted Knuckles underscore SC on the gram. Rider one of two, congrats, sir. Let's get to two of two at M. Trims. Crushed. His first 1K taken the long way with Mr. Busted Knuckle underscore SC to the Four Quarters Motorcycle Rally. Joining the friend along the way. He did 1,031 miles in 19 hours, 36 minutes on his 2013 Harley Fat Boy Low. Great stories from both of these guys. Let's see what he wrote. I left from Phoenix at midnight when it was still 100 degrees and met Jason at Busted Knuckles underscore SC in Kingman, Arizona. This is the midway point between where we live. Heading east on I-40 in the early morning hours and arrived in Belmont, Arizona when it was 49 degrees. We were both shivering so bad we could barely use our phones to get pics of our receipts. The sun came up and it began to get warmer, cruising along I-40. We learned the roads are in horrible condition with many bumps that felt like we became airborne. Through Albuquerque, it was back to about 100 degrees, and we were now complaining about the heat again. Once we headed north from Klein's Corner towards Colorado, it began to cool back down. In Espanola, New Mexico, we talked about how we need to get to Durango before it gets dark, when all the deer and elk come out. Between Espanola and Pagosa Springs, Colorado, we saw a few deer and elk off to the side of the road. As we came up on a corner, we saw an elk that looked like he was lying in the grass right next to the white line and was about to stand up. 
As it stood up, we realized it wasn't an elk. It was a little baby bear that stood about three or four feet tall, and he stood with both hands raised. Pretty cool to see. We got to Pagosa and headed over the hill to Durango. And it got cold again. Once into Durango, we made our first stop at Million Dollar Highway Saloon, located in the Durango Harley-Davidson parking lot, and finally got some good food and nice cold beer. Always a great time and spectacular motorcycle riding to the Four Corners Motorcycle Rally, and can't wait to do it again next year. Maybe by then they will fill in some of those nasty bumps out there, or at least put the bump signs in the right spots. Well written. Congratulations, sir. Welcome. Let's go back to the east at switching underscore gears underscore garage. 1K turn and burn. 1,053 miles in 17 hours, 40 minutes. On his 2018 Harley CVO Road Glad. Subscribe to Switching Gears on YouTube for lots of great videos, including one of his 1K. Way cool. Check out the YouTube channel. He writes, On Saturday, September 5th, two Marines set off around 4 a.m. to start a 1K in a day. We began in South Carolina and headed north to Fredericksburg, Virginia. Along the way, we stopped every 125 miles or so to gas up and enjoy the ride. Although this was my second 1K, it would be Walker's first, and he loved it. I rode my Road Glide CVO and him on his Ninja 650. Tough guy. Wow. It was a perfect day that allowed us to truly enjoy our ride and become one with the road and our bikes. But we all know it's not a trip without rain. The last 50 miles, around 9 at night, we hit a massive pour down which soaked us all the way home. All in a great trip time shared with another biker that loves to ride and see the world from different views. This will not be our last as we look forward to more rides and adventures along the way. Check out my videos coming soon on YouTube. That'd be great. Switching underscore gears underscore garage. Welcome. Well done on number two. Over at DHawk83 on the gram crushing his first with us plus some extra credit miles. This guy did 1,052 miles in 15 hours and 50 minutes and 1,199 miles in 16 hours and 59 minutes on his 2011 Harley Electric Glide. He writes, At 4.10 a.m., Wild 11 Glide and I left the gas station and started hammering the miles out. We had six gas stops and kept most of our stops to under 10 minutes. Great weather, next to zero traffic all day made things nice. We started the day with three hours of night riding and ended up with almost an hour of night riding. Over 1,200 miles from the house to the hotel that day. This was the first day of an 11-day trip. We did 2,140 miles in the first 41 hours and over 6,200 miles in the 11 days. We met up with our buddy Hawk 77 on the gram and tried to squeeze as many sites in as possible. California PCH, Mojave Desert, Grand Canyon, Monument Valley, Mexican Hat, and the Four Corners Motorcycle Rally. Man, congratulations on getting that done. What a ride with good friends.
good ones lined up for a 1K. The homies, world-class underscore dirtbag, the underscore official underscore guter can, and at Captain Morgan 24 and just for good measure, Glock Stroke and Whiskey Glide, crushing a 1K turn and burning under 19 hours. They're going right through New York town, so needless to say, one Mr. Curtis Morgan, the official Guaterican writes, Hey, what are you doing Wednesday? Was a text that started this madness. Next thing I know, I'm rolling out to Woodburn, Massachusetts at 5 a.m., going west on the Mass Pike with my bud and two dudes I just met. We're heading to Niagara Falls. Crazy, right? With the sun rising behind us, we crushed miles, only stopping for gas, quick convo, and a good stretch. A quick stop in Syracuse to pick up another guy I just met, a quick bite, and it was back to pavement pounding. We made it to Niagara Falls, took in the sights for a short time, and it was back in the saddle. Throttle hand doing what it does back down the pike towards Boston. Last hundo miles were tough, but we all made it home at 12.20 a.m. Safe. Tired, but with new memories and new friends. Let's do it again. Well done on the gram at the underscore official underscore Guaterican. Some wheels required, crushing a 1K with a friend, 1,065 miles in 15 hours and 54 minutes on his 2017 Harley Dyna Street Bob. One attempt on the way to Four Corners Motorcycle Rally, but pulled it off heading home. Looking forward to seeing him crush it again. He wrote, Original plan was to ride out to Four Corners and work our way through Colorado from there and eventually back home to Wisconsin. When 11 inches of snow and a high of 19 degrees entered the forecast for when we were supposed to be on the front range, we decided to change up our plans. We unfortunately already booked a hotel that would have made it just over 1,000 miles to Durango. So we stayed there Friday night with no intentions of hitting 1,000 miles in 24 hours. By the time we got up and got to Boulder, we hit 1,000 miles in just under 25 hours without trying too hard. At that point, I was kicking myself and convinced we had to do it on our way home. After a week riding through the 100 plus degree heat and low 30s with rain and snow in Colorado, with a bit of off-roading and Moab thrown in for good measure, we started the ride back to Wisconsin from Colorado Springs. As everyone who has ever ridden through Nebraska knows, there's not much to see from Interstate 80. The coolest thing we saw was definitely the chop pickup when we stopped for lunch. Fatigue set in a bit halfway through the ride, but when we got to four hours left, I definitely started getting more excited as I realized we were able to do it. We kept pretty good pace throughout the entire trip with also helped. After we broke off for the last stretch of miles to head to our prospective homes, I hit some heavier rain that seemed fitting for a 1K in a day ride. Because that ride isn't complete without a bit of rain. I was ecstatic, pulling into the final fill-up and asked a random stranger to stop my picture. This ride has been a goal of mine for a while, and I'm thrilled to complete my first. It definitely won't be my last. Well said on the gram, at some wheels required. Congrats.
here's a good one at underscore ritual lust underscores crushing a 1k and doing it so she also crushed the record for fastest female to 1k 1003 miles in 15 hours 45 minutes on her 2006 harley street bob congrats jen you don't want to miss her story here it is the first gas station I went to fill my tank and the famous fuel cell that was lent to me by my friends who previously crushed her record for fastest time earlier this year with their one can a day. I left Peoria, Arizona. The clock started at 5.36 a.m. and I headed to Las Vegas, Nevada. Riding about 85 to 90 miles per hour in the pitch black desert with a high winds. It was cold and just got colder. I was wearing a long sleeve my heated jacket, and my leather jacket, and the cold was cutting through my layers. It had to have been in the mid-twenties Fahrenheit. About 40 miles into the ride, all my fully charged electronics died. As I reached closer to Kingman, Arizona, I felt an abnormal amount of vibration at my right knee from my air intake. I looked down and my air intake was literally falling off my bike going 90 plus miles per hour. It appeared to be hanging on by a few threads. I held it on tight with my knee until I could pull over to assess the situation. I pulled over and had to unpack my bags to get my tools out and had to take the whole unit off because it was loose from the inside screws as well. When I took the air intake off, all three of the screws had vibrated loose, one of which came off as well as one of the major screws holding the whole unit on was way loose. It was during this ride I literally vibrated my air intake loose. I got it back on and secured, and everything packed back up. I knew that I had to make up for this time, so I hit the road with that in mind. It was a rough ride for the first 300 miles. When I reached Mojave, I started to warm up a bit. My favorite part of the ride was the route in California, especially seeing the Sawtooth Canyon and the Salton Sea. After Yuma, Arizona, tips dropped significantly and high winds resumed. I hauled ass to Tucson. Thankfully, no speed traps a day for me as I was traveling 90 to 100, especially at the end, burning off those last miles. It was epic. Well done, Jen. Congratulations. Welcome. You killed it. American Roadrunner. American Roadrunner. American Roadrunner. American Roadrunner. All I want is a machine between my legs and open road. Show music is brought to you by Meek. The American Roadrunner Motorcycle Show is brought to you by the book, American Roadrunner, and is an American Roadrunner publishing production. Find us online at AmericanRoadRunnerTheBook.com Find the book on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. Keep up with author and racer Bob Marshall and all his adventures and stories from the road on Instagram and Facebook at American Roadrunner. We'll see you on the road.